following program may contain coarse language, suggestive dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. Yo, you're listening to the Tsunami Faithful Podcast. Enjoy the show. It's the Toonami Faithful Podcast, where we are debriefing boxers. I am your host, Sketch, and with me I have... Hi, it's Happy Crew Kitty. Also... Area Renegade. Also... Duelist, but uh, I guess you could call me Gearless Joe for this episode. <laughs> you, you, you meant to say Gearless, but I heard girlish. Wait, why are we calling you Gearless Joe? <laughs> His actual name is Joseph. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And someone that I've brought on for their familiarity in the actual property that Megalobox is inspired by. Hey everyone, this is V-Lord HPZ. Hey V-Lord, we had some good times at Anime Expo last year. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that, that was really fun last year. It's going to be even better this year. <laughs> it is! Hunter Hunter Escape Room! Oh, yeah. I still, I still think that, that that is happening because our group suggested it. <laughs> you know it it's is. either going to be better three. than Neverland 1. Oh. No, I'm, I'm fine for the Hunter Hunter 1. And then we can suggest Neverland this year for next year. Good idea. Good idea. Yeah. Because we're trendsetters, clearly. Also, we can we actually escape this time? <laughs> um, we did all right. <laughs> we were somewhat close. We got to like the last area that was like super complicated. But, like, yeah. Yeah, those puzzles got stupidly complicated. Well, considering we'd all just met each other that weekend, like our communication up to that point was pretty good. So I think we'll do better this time. That's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> well, since anyway. you mentioned Neverland, may as well just get right into that. We know at last, Toonami's next show, that they have had to keep hush-hush because of uh, complications with when they were allowed to announce it. And now we know it is The Promised Neverland, a hot, hot title that literally just finished its season in Japan. And a second season has been announced for next year. Woo! Hooray! Yeah, this is a good get. This is unexpected. This is a fairly popular show that I honestly thought had a chance to air on Toonami, despite not really being a typical Toonami show. I think most people would agree with that statement. But... It seemed popular enough, and it seemed like Aniplex... Aniplex put this on everything. They put it on High Dive, they put it on Crunchyroll, they put it on Funimation, uh, pretty much everything except Amazon. Put it on Hulu, too. (laughs) Yeah, they put it on Hulu also. Which which is funny, because um, probably a year ago at this point... It would have when, only uh, been on Amazon, yes. Yeah, when there was that Noitamina <laughs> deal. Uh, with, let's uh, all be thankful that that is over and continue to weep for great shows that will never see a home video release at this rate. Corbin you know, I made a joke at some point that the promised Neverland was going to be Amazon, but I am so much gladder that it is Toonami instead. 
Indeed. Indeed. God bless. Yeah. And uh, for, for those who thought that it could never, ever happen, never. Say never. Now with Toonami, for sure. It, there's always some way they're trying to bring in the next edgy thing. So it, it seems really appropriate that we'd be surprised this way. Yeah, I'm genuinely surprised. Not that it's happening, but more so that it's happening so fast. Because this is a crazy turnaround for Anaplex. This is even faster than SAO. So they they must mean business with this show. They they expect a lot of people to like this show. Yeah, you know this is very much a left field dub announcement in general. Technically, there hasn't even been one other than obviously it has one, or it wouldn't be airing on TV. <laughs> no, they're totally gonna air those show subtitles. Like you know. Well, you know, you, you kind of make a good point, Sketch. You barely touched on that, the, the, the element of, of Anaplex turning over quickly. I feel like they're probably trying to capitalize as much as possible on the hype by having it out there so, you know, they, they can make some more money off of it. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's certainly ride the wave as long as possible. We all get to benefit from it. So I'm really excited for this dub. I haven't actually seen the whole series on purpose because I wanted to see it dubbed. So it'll be a big surprise to me how, how it turns out. Mm. Yeah. Like I've been a fan of Neverland since the first chapter came out of the manga. So I'm, I'm very happy to see it come to Nanami. Like it's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just started reading the manga myself. It looks so visually striking too, which I think makes part of what makes it a really good fit. I agree. I agree. I, I think the visuals go a long way. The atmosphere goes a long way. It's and the opening song is fire. We all love our OPs. I mean, it's Overworld. Like just about everything Overworld makes is fire. If Overworld makes something bad, you know something's wrong with the world. <laughs> it's no longer an Overworld. It's the opposite of that. Still mad that Crunchyroll didn't nominate Odd Future for Best Opening. I thought that was really weird. It was criminal. Catch, we need like a tally for every time you make a pun in every podcast. And it's also a drinking game. For those who don't like to be conscious. For you listeners who are over 21. Yes, we do not encourage underage drinking. Or water poisoning, for that matter. Y yeah, you could water poison yourself, too. I mean, it is you. It's a thing that can happen. That's and then what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, this is why I don't oh keep God. track. That's too. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you knew what you were getting into when I made a pun in the opening statement. Where would we be without Sketch's pun? We need like a little sound effect every time you do one. Should mix that in when you when you, you do the final. Shot? Some, something, yeah. Though most people would agree it should be crickets. <laughs> well, you could do that too. <laughs> we used to have fun with that on uh, when we would do live using. Or is it like Google Hangout or something? Google Hangout, yeah. Google Hangouts had sound effects. I think and we abused had... those in those Absolution sessions. Oh, oh yes, very much so. <laughs> All right, bring it back. Come on, let's bring back the sound effects. The I think sadly those are effects. no longer part of Google Hangouts, which is tragic. They went to the dark abyss. 
like just like Google Plus. Some something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. So I guess we should ring the bell sound effect. And get started on this whole Megalobox discussion. Oh well, but before we do that, so uh, to clarify, uh, Promise Neverland will be starting on April 13th. Yes, that's not immediately. Of course, by the time this podcast is out, it may in fact be the week of. So it's a good thing we're making it now. To be announced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Hopefully, by the time you hear this podcast, there will be a promo. <laughs> <laughs> Chances are high. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's happening on uh, April 13th. And before that, they are just doubling up SAO for a couple of weeks. Yes, premiere episodes. So uh, this podcast will probably be out by the time they air, but uh, the most infamous of episodes will be airing. On a double uh, shot, which is... I can't uh, wait to watch yeah. that again. Mm. <laughs> I'm afraid we I'm will have to discuss it after the fact. Maybe maybe we'll do like a half-season recap of Alicization so far. Yes! Yes! I want to be in on that. Yeah, that, that, that'll be great. That'll be right after the two huge info dump episodes of 12 and 13. Mm. Yeah, get ready to uh, pay attention. <laughs> ten out of ten pacing. <laughs> Maybe if I rehear those in English. Uh... Yo, you know Alex Von David's got our back. He's gonna make it understandable. He did a real good job with that whole conversation <clears throat> about floodlights. Which what? They don't still don't know what the hell that word means. Uh, it is a combination of fluctuating and light. That still doesn't explain what it is, though. I still don't know what the hell that word means. <laughs> if you want a further explanation than that, I don't have one for you. There we it's, go. It's science bullcrap. What do you want? <laughs> it was so stupid, it crashed the episode. <laughs> now... I would argue that that is not the point where SAO got so stupid that it would have crashed. There were plenty of other moments where that would have been more appropriate to happen. But it was kind of amusing that it happened when they were having a computer malfunction. I hope it happens during episode 10. (laughs) Oh yeah, it just freeze frames on that particular moment. Okay, so there's some bookstore in Japan that put up a display of that guy just leaping through the air, and I'm like, oof, that's a good taste. Dear God. Oh, we got the... the I'm uh, sure Honda-san was not thrilled about that display. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honda-san comes to work one day. <laughs> Yikes. No, no. Mm-hmm. I... Mm, well, I, I mean... I'm sure Steve Staley and uh, Chris Neosi will uh, do those characters justice. <laughs> they are pr- pretty much exactly who I thought would voice those characters. Actually, I don't think Kerbifer came to mind at the time, but it, it does make sense now. But I figured at least one of them 
would be voiced by somebody who's been in the industry a long time, because they're the kinds of people that get those roles. The ones that are like, yeah, whatever, I know, it's <laughs> terrible, but I'm just going to do my thing and get paid. <laughs> and we love them for it. And then you have these new actresses whose names escape me off the top of my head that are like, yay, I get to voice these characters. I'm like, I don't feel like I should congratulate you. <laughs> I mean, one, one, of, one of them... One of them did reply to like all the apologies and things, just like, yeah, uh -huh. poor girls. Oof. 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 Boy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But hey, Chini Torado is uh, Lena Senpai. That's that's great. Good for her. Good for her. She recently moved to LA from Texas, and she's getting work with Anaplex uh, over at Bang Zoom. Yeah, she sounded really good in SEO Alternative, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, I wish there was more of that character. Oh, I keep forgetting to finish that. You really should. <laughs> it's so much better than Alicization. That I cannot disagree with. <laughs> it, um, yeah, yeah, see, yeah. see, Joe and I just finished watching the real season finale of Alicization, and uh, thoughts that were... That was a spoiler! Um, that... That that's where you stop. Okay. <laughs> Seems kind of needless after all that, but yeah. So let's yeah, not that's, talk that's... about needless things in Alicization. <coughs> whole topic. Back on track again. The whole story arc. <laughs> maybe, just maybe. There are bits and pieces that I have enjoyed, but. Oh, if I wasn't already so invested in SAO, I would not be sitting... I, somebody who has SAO in their screen name dropped it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> wow, if it's too much boredom for you, that's uh, okay. But so one, far, one it seems guys. like the uh, Toonami audience seems to like it just fine. Like one of the guys I know who like loves SAO to death is not feeling the season at all. And I'm just like, damn. It's completely understandable because what what's there to like? <laughs> the characters uh, that you care about other than Kirito aren't there. And let's be honest, a lot of people just plain don't like Kirito. So if he's the only one there... <laughs> I think Yu-Gi-Oh is just boneless Kirito. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's like they just copied Kirito and changed his hair. <laughs> nah, I think that's really a disservice to Yu-Gi-Oh. He's different. But, I mean, he ain't Klein. It would be cooler if, you know, Kirito wasn't there. <laughs> Perhaps. And they didn't focus on Kirito the whole time, because, you know, Kirito. Just write Kirito out of the show. <laughs> Please. I mean, lots of people think SAO would be better without him. But me. <laughs> uh, I don't. So, and yeah, double SAO for a couple of weeks and then promise Neverland at a yet to be determined time slot, but probably but like 1230. I, I, I still, I feel the need to add that I'm still surprised they're doing double premieres of this because. 
Oh, yes. Toonami's never really been the type of, uh, well, they've never, they don't like to quote-unquote waste premieres, and, yeah. and doing it with Sword Art of all things is unexpected to me, at least, especially since I don't think that dub is very far along. Uh, no, <laughs> last time I talked to Alex, he was scripting episode 13, and he was in need of finishing up to episode 16 by early April. So, that's, uh, that's, that's, it's getting kind of close there. <laughs> but Press that far, boy. Good, uh, good for him that he gets a break after episode 24. <laughs> good for him, so he can take a break on that and, you know, then Crunchyroll can dub the rest of Konosuba. Shit. <laughs> With him. I, I don't want somebody else directing that. If they've not done that already, which who knows? Unless you know something I don't. Uh, it's at least heavily implied that they have not done it yet. Which... I feel like they would have released it by now on Crunchyroll if it was done. <laughs> Listen, let's not talk about Crunchyroll and releasing dubs that they have the rights to, because... Oh, that... oh good point. I forgot about That's a zero. whole new game right there. Still uh, waiting on that ancient Magus Bride to go up on Crunchyroll. Oh, stop, stop, no, don't. And uh, I, how about. I don't remember how much I wanted zero. I sure would love to revisit Mob Psycho Season 1, you know, all the episodes, not just the handful that happened to be on adultsone.com. Pretty good amount of them are. They still got yeah, episodes out there. Thumbing through the Adult Swim website and app the other day, I was like, oh, there's still have episodes of that. Huh? Neat. Seeing as they're not rerunning on TV, for reasons, there's only one rerun slot, and it's currently Attack on Titan, season one. <laughs> I still don't. That's still really weird decision, kind of. Well, it's one way to keep a slot warm. Mostly because one would assume they're going to get season three and then have to kick that off in the middle of, like, maybe season two reruns? I don't know. Because yeah, it airs, like, late hard. April. Yeah, it starts the last week of April in Japan. So, figuring maybe mid-May for the dub. Depends. They might push it to June, but that would be pushing it, like, five weeks behind Japan, and they don't like to do that, usually. So, we'll see. But when that happens, up. we actually have a very strong possibility of having an all-premiere Toonami. That's pretty cool. I mean, Jason DeMarco would like it, so... <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much that, or expand and keep a rerun slot. Because there's no other way that happens. They're not getting rid of anything. Though there are certainly things that people wish could be getting rid of. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yes, everybody likes different shows. So, it's alright. If you don't like shows, you don't have to watch It's okay. Hopefully they don't, like, throw Hunter Hunter at 3.30 to finish it, which suck. Well, whatever is going to happen with that show at this point is going to happen with that show. Yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> the Chimera Ant arc is 
finally over! Oh, and there is there is no way they're rerunning that unless Toonami gets like a weeknight slot. That was painful. It 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 was a long, long time. It's yeah, we'll we'll do a a proper follow-up on that, but it, it feels like a great weight has been lifted. Now you get a little arc about finding out who will be the next chairman of the Hunter organization. So, that's neat. That's not actually the primary story of that arc. I don't want to say what that is. But you'll find out if you keep watching. But I would say the last arc is, you know, it's fine. It's enjoyable for various reasons. But... Most importantly, I feel like they cap off this pretty well as the anime, because obviously the manga hadn't finished by then, so I, I feel like it has a certain amount of finality to it, and that's... that's the manga not finishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. We know. <gasps> nice boat! Uh, hiatus. Hiatus. I almost put the X in there, but that would be wrong! Don't pronounce the X. Perhaps they should have just had a, a uh, to the power of two in the title. Hunter squared. <laughs> but no, it's a hunter. Hunter. Because Gon is a hunter hunting for his father, who's a hunter. That's the title. Well, well. I didn't make that connection in that way until just now. Don't laugh! <laughs> That's fair. It took me a while to catch it, too. It's okay, Carl. We're just judging you mentally. It's, it's all fine. It's a safe place. Don't worry about it. It's fine. So, yeah. Roundabout way of saying it, but look forward to Promised Neverland, which is a great show that I thoroughly enjoyed this past season, and I look forward to seeing it dubbed. And I look forward to watching it with all of you. And I'm hoping they don't botch the opening cut. Oh! Uh, Stick it at 11, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because going from Family Guy to The Promised Neverland would definitely feel right. I mean, you know. <laughs> I think Aniplex usually does better with their opening cuts than Funimation does. They definitely do. Everybody does better than Funimation at this point. It's sad. I'm, I'm still... It's been like four, three or four years, and I'm still mad at how they cut Battle Cry when Samurai Shampoo aired. Mm. That actually That was bad. You know, oddly, I don't know if I ever saw that cut. I think they like it went from... Of, uh, like it went from, oh, yes, I have to day. find my path. Some days, some nights. Like, just completely offbeat, and I'm just like, ow, what the... Like you can tell exactly where they cut it, and it's super jarring. I'm not a fan of the, the, the My Hero Academia opening. Oh, oh, my oh my god, Odd Future's cut is so bad, too. Yeah. I, I got yeah. Odd Future's cut, cut is... Just, just look you know at the what, current though? JoJo opening and cut everything like that, please. Yeah. You know what, though? I just accepted that that's part of the course of Toonami. Like, we want these shows, we get them. We're just not going to get the OPs the way we want them. But that's what YouTube's for, so there yeah, you I'm have it. I'm not sure the old <laughs> it's just that whoever does them 
Funimation. I, I don't know if they don't know how to edit audio or what, because... Ah. Yeah. I feel like they just kind of rush it and then just shoot it out. They, they seem to be obsessed with keeping the start and the end of the opening and then just kind of cut something in the middle and it almost never works. I think it's based on the visual. I think they cut it based off of whatever the visual opening they want to have is. They don't actually pay attention to how the, well the sound is cohesive. So that's my theory anyway. At that point, they should be trying to edit both the visuals and a cohesive sounding song. Whoa now. Don't be logical now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The no, being logical. Does not compute. Does not just compute. Let, just, just deliver the materials and let Brent do it. He knows what he's doing. Seriously. But it, it would be a pain to have to cut that out for every single episode. Probably. Honestly, if they can't do it, like, just... Do a title card. Just don't even use the. Opening. Wasn't there one show where they like were Dimension editing? W. Like, no, 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 no. Wasn't it like Shippuden? The the first ED was like different every single episode or something. Oh, uh, I don't know about that with Shippuden. Shippuden, they was the only one that had like a full length custom intro, and they just cut the opening entirely. Then now they. But I was I was thinking because Dimension W is the one show where they did just do a title card and it's like, well, this is disappointing because the opening's like the best part of this show. But yeah, I try not to remember that much like how at least. a lot of people joke about not remembering the show in general. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember the show just like the main character doesn't remember his past. Remshot. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Openings aside, it, it should be a good time. And you'll get the full opening at least once. So At least. That's a nice thing that they do. They don't have to do that. As nice as they do it, we should appreciate it. A lot. We should always appreciate that. I definitely do. I, I wonder if it is, I mean, this is probably a dumb comment, but it has something to do with the rights of the artist, so that every time it's played in full, the royalties are more than what it would be if it's cut. I, I don't know, but it, it might just it might just be about money. Or even more than that, like money is supposed to be the advertisement time versus playing a full OP time. I'm pretty it's sure it's mostly that they need time for ads, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's the price—that's the price we pay for tsunami. So we must all accept it. I feel like the only time it's really been something with the artist is when they had to do whatever to get the JoJo ending songs, and that's why we get them every time in full. Because some of them probably don't want them chopping up their music either. Yeah. Like hey, I'm pretty sure that's why we didn't get the W opening in like cut up fashion. Could be. There, there can be all kinds of things to do with music rights. Everyone loves music rights. <laughs> yeah, sure. Alright. Alright. Uh, well, that, that was a fine undercard, but it's uh, on to the main event. I'm going to gear up for the main discussion here. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Ding, ding. 
Megalobox has come to an end on Toonami. It was a short 13-episode run that, despite a few halts in airings, felt like it went away so fast. Gone in the blink of an eye. That That is sad. I hope that they rerun it at some point, because it's really good. Well, they so. do tend to play old boxing matches on TV. Well, I mean, you're not wrong there. Nope. 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 It's definitely a show I'd say is worth uh, at least one rerun if they get a moment, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I'd be done with that being on the rerun slot. Mm-hmm. So I'm quick. sure there are things that we missed the first round, too, that we could pick up. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, a quick recap on the events of the anime as it was presented. Uh, A couple of uh, dirty, no-good cheaters that threw fights decided that they wanted to go legit, more so because Joe the Boxer, whose name before being called Joe was just Junk Dog without without a U, just a G-N-K dog. It's his ring name doesn't have any other name and he's always wanted to be a real boxer but he's just been stuck in this life of having to throw matches and to be able to throw a match convincingly you actually have to be pretty darn good at boxing so he legitimately believes he's a decent boxer and so does his trainer even if he doesn't want to admit it and the two of them uh, eventually try to challenge real Megawo boxers in a legitimate ring because they're hoping to win Megalonia, prove that Joe is a actual boxer, and also get a bunch of money to get out of debt and you know get themselves under uh, out from under the thumb of this uh gosh, what Bad guy, don't specifically remember what kind of feelings is it, but uh. It's like a fixer for a gang or something. Yeah, he's like the head of a. Organization. Pretty much Yakuza guy. Yeah, Yakuza organ dealer type guy. Yeah, not, not somebody that you want to mess with. Uh, along the way, Joe really gets inspired to go legit when he crosses paths with the champion, Yuri, who is a boxer with super advanced gear that is supposed to show off like the peak of what gear is capable of for the company that is hoping to prove what gear is capable of and make a whole lot of money in contracts and such. But he's also the best boxer around and he ends up being interested in Joe so he goes down to the underground ring and has a fight with him one time and is like well you didn't impress me but if you want to fight again you gotta come to my ring so that's what he does (laughs) he ends up fighting his way from the bottom up to Megalonia and all kinds of unfortunate situations occur and they meet a little kid named Sachio and his gang friends and Sachio 
also wants to <clears throat> kind of get back at Shirato because his father, who invented a certain kind of gear, ended up uh, uh, being killed, yes, <laughs> I believe, by somebody in Shirato. And, you know, that destroyed the kid's family and his life, and he's out on the street and he doesn't really have anywhere else to go, but he believes that Joe is capable of making it all the way to the top and helps push them along. So you have this grumpy old trainer man and the little kid who's really smart and good with technology and the scrappy boxer who just wants to prove himself and somehow or other they fight the right fights and they get all the way to uh, Megalonia where Joe eventually faces off against Yuri in a gearless fight because the whole time Joe has been fighting gearless against all of these guys that have gear and proving himself and gaining that ring name of Gearless Joe and by the end of all this Yuri was so inspired by what Joe has been doing that he thinks the only way I can fight this guy is to go gearless myself so he has the gear removed in a very painful procedure and the two of them a couple of scarred up animals face it off for Whew, how many rounds was that last one? Like 13. 13 or so. 13. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy fight. And uh, in, in the end, Joe is the victor. And, you know, they just kind of move on with life because Nambu, the old man, settles the whole matter about their uh, situation by giving up his one good eye in such a badass way. And, uh, the guy who was trying to keep control over them was like, you know, he he wanted to see the kid fight in the real ring more than anybody, and the fact that he would give up his one good eye in order to settle things. That man has ridiculous conviction. I think we're good. And part of me questions why that was enough, but hey, it's a nice story. <laughs> it's better that way. So, in the end, uh, things wrap up pretty nicely. Uh, un unfortunately for Yuri, he's pretty much done. He's, you know, he's stuck in a wheelchair. He can't fight anymore, but he doesn't seem sad about it. He seems to have, uh, done what he wanted to do in life and feels content and Joe's out there looking to teach boxing to the next generation as uh, a fair, fairly happy ending all things yeah now Vlord is familiar with uh, tomorrow's Joe which this series is based off of so uh, first of all, I'd like to have him talk about how this somewhat mirrors the story in Tomorrow's Joe and how uh, the way it ends and why they had to stop there, essentially. So, yeah, so like, basically, Tomorrow's Joe is kind of split up into the two separate parts. 
and the first part is primarily what Megalobox is inspired by, which is the the relationship between Joe and Yuri, which is a parallel to the original manga and anime where it's Joe, Yabuki, and his rival Rikishi. So what Megalobox primarily focuses on is that rivalry of these two people who come from different backgrounds but both find a common passion in boxing and their rivalry pushes them to reach new heights and become better people. I guess in regards to the ending, that's a bit more complicated to get into, but because of the fact that Tomorrow's Joe is a is split into those two parts, that second that first part of Joe has a much more somber focus near the end. And Joe and Rikishi's relationship doesn't end at in a uh, as pleasant way as uh, Joe and Yuri. There's a lot of different parallels you can make between these two series, but the one thing I really love about Megalobox is that despite it being influenced by Tomorrow's Show, there's no real one-to-ones. There are certain backgrounds and certain character archetypes that are shared between the two, but at the same time, it carves its own identity while staying true to the original themes of the manga. And that's what's so fascinating about it. You can clearly tell that uh, the director, Yo Moriyama, and his team really loved the series and understood what it was about. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, I, I like that you touched on that relationship between Yuri and Joe because they they seem to be somewhere around comrades as well as rivals. Like it's so different the relationship between two fighters than it is, you know, in other types of rivalry. So seeing them have this respect for each other and this desire to truly fight each other, which is really strange. You're thinking, well, why do they want to beat each other up? Why are they excited for that? But at the same time, they demonstrate elements of, of true camaraderie. So it, it is really an interesting relationship to watch. I, I wish they'd spent a little more time on it, actually. But yeah, it's good. Good observation. Yeah, I agree. I would have liked to see more scenes with just Joe and Yuri getting to know each other figuring out how each other tick because in the end it kind of feels like they shouldn't be as familiar with each other as they seem to be yeah yeah and i feel like part of that comes down to it paralleling the joe and rikishi relationship because with joe and rikishi they had known each other from juvie and they had to like grow up from there and then build their careers after they got out of like prison so there's a deeper connection there and they sort of try to copy that in megalobox but it's because of how it's set up it doesn't work as effectively at times i feel yeah it's it kind of feels like they should have just spent more time on everything in that case maybe like three more episodes with more character development or relationship building i don't know just a little more time but i'm greedy <laughs> yeah i mean the tough thing with like something like my goal box i feel is that it's going with the source material that is 
one of the most influential pieces of animated manga of all time. It's still constantly referenced in media. Like, I guess an example, Fooly Cooly Progressive literally had a character that uh, would quote word for word Joe's coach in the lines that he said at the beginning of the series. Like, it's that huge of a series that it just is continually prevalent. So I think they had to reach the choice of what parts of this story can we really reinterpret? And I think they, the best thing was definitely to focus on that love of boxing through different, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different aspirations and finding a rivalry that really pushes both characters forward. And there's just a lot there that they could definitely have explored with Joe and Yuri, but it's hard for me to say how they could have improved it with the time frame that they had. Yeah, they did have a whole lot of overarching different story plots with, um, like, with all the other characters and stuff to make sure they got what they needed as well. Mm-hmm. Sitting here trying to think of how, how they could have had Joe and Yuri interactive more, and they can't really think of anything other than just, like what Kuro said, giving them more, more episodes. So why do you think that it was such, that it is so influential, um, Bjork? Like, you, you mentioned that. What do you think about this show that makes it so influential? Hmm. It's well, hard I mean, to if think. I can add something in really quick, I, if nothing else, just from somebody that's not very, um, that isn't familiar with uh, Tomorrow's Joe that much, it is definitely a series that has been, like, referenced or parodied in, in pretty much... Well, not everything, but a whole bunch of stuff. I'll say that. Yeah, du- Duelist kind of nailed it on the head there. Like, the final see- scene of Tomorrow's Joe, where it's Joe sitting on a chair with, like, his entire body kind of painted in, like, an ash-white, like, uh, like, a color scheme, is constantly referenced in things. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, the-, the-, the show, even while it doesn't make a direct reference to that, it like kind of does this thing at the end of the episodes where it's like not dead yet not dead yet which is kind of playing off the idea of how people misinterpret that ending as death which it's not about death it's about fulfillment and the entire story is kind of about pushing against that idea that these themes are about fighting till you die fighting for death and rather fighting towards fulfillment. And that was part of the thing that made Tomorrow's Joe so influential back in the day. It came at a time when there was a huge despair, economic disparity in Japan. And the 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 impoverished were in a position where they were just in such a different world than the people who had wealth. So a story like Tomorrow's Joe showing a character who literally comes from nothing and rising up to someone who is admired and praised in a in a, such a huge setting is what made it so big. And just a lot of its themes about focusing on uh, trauma, loss, uh, overcoming your own fears, it's just so inspirational in that way. and. It has so many ideas that have really pushed the industry forward since then. Yeah, I think Megalo Joe kind of demonstrates how the ring is a, is a great 
level is the great leveler because his whole facade is that he's going in there without all of the technology without all of the extras or the the same type of training he's going in there as like this grungy kind of looking like a street fighter and and making his way and it's really it's really interesting because i actually have personally no interest in in boxing as a sport so i went into this thinking all right do you know i picked you so you obviously have something to offer impress me and i was really unexpectedly drawn in because you watch these characters interact and like the, the helplessness that Joe's, Joe feels when he has to throw a fight. That is just so infuriating to me. I felt actually angry that he wasn't allowed to be at his fullest. And then when he's being beaten and he's just barely able to stand up in that last fight or even some of the other fights, like I could, it was a strange thing I could actually relate because in my, uh, currently, some of you know that I, I do um, some self-defense training, and one of the things that they teach you is to push past your limits and keep going. They, they exhaust the hell out of you. You get beaten up, you're like, you're padded, but like, it, it wears you out, and then you just have to keep going and keep have the same level of strength. And seeing that portrayed in an animation format, it was so potent. It was it was so impactful, and and the style too, like had this kind of hip hop vibe to it. It just felt really gritty and real. And I, I I found that I really liked it. And I don't even like you know combative sports, but it didn't have the kinds of bells and whistles that you see. Like I love Naruto fighting, but he's got he's got powers. Like Joe had nothing. All he had was his fists, and he had to know how to use them. And that, I think that really made it, 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 it drew you in as a viewer in a completely different way. Yeah, I feel like the best sports series are the ones that can invest you regardless of your interest in the sport itself. Like, yeah. having it be about the characters and their stakes in the sport and why they love the sport rather than why you love the sport. And seeing the skill, seeing how they have to develop the skill, which you may not think about prior to that, you know? Yeah, just something I was going to add was one thing I feel I can definitely say about anime in particular is they seem to do a pretty good job generally of they can take something that you personally may have absolutely no interest in and still make a very compelling story out of it. (laughs) Sports in particular. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, just to think of a few off the top of my head, um... I didn't care about competitive ice skating at all. Yuri on Ice is a pretty universally uh, acclaimed series. Uh, there was a, a badminton show recently, real good. I don't care about that sport. There, there's been some others. I feel like there was a really good example, and I'm forgetting it. And there's Haikyuu. There is that. I, I personally still need to check that one out, but everyone seems to hold it in high regard, so. It's worth it. You should. And boy, let me tell you, I, uh, I, I had no interest in competitive butt fighting before. <laughs> I was just waiting for someone to bring that up. You know we what, sound sketch. That, that is a legitimately good 
sports show. Yes, it is. It is no. a very fictional, silly sport. I'm not watching it until I see the male counterpart version of that. That's all I have to say about that. That is oof. They would probably not have the way to. you're thinking. Gross. No, male butt fighting. Oh my God. <laughs> male butt fighting. Isn't that just Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> Somebody had to say it. <laughs> Somebody had to say it, right? Yeah, yeah. That gets the tally. That was a good one. I mean, I. It's not that I dislike American football, much less soccer, but uh, I, I love Ice Shield 21 and because of the characters and story of an underdog trying to go from amazing things and Prince of Tennis too <laughs> definitely have yeah. no interest in I was gonna say stuff like tennis games <laughs> tennis ping pong freaking shogi of all things yeah March comes in like a lion which is amazing a very compelling story about a guy who professionally plays a board game I was about to say though none of y'all brought up ping pong and yeah, Megalobox, when I first saw the preview for Megalobox, I was already super invested in whatever this was. It looked so, so cool. It, that you don't aesthetic. get that, you don't get those, those many anime these days that, you know, for a lack of better ways of putting it, feel like they're from the 80s or the 90s. And it's just that feel for anime and then you have the hip-hop soundtrack and you have the way it looks the way it moves and even though they use some advanced techniques that you couldn't have possibly have done back in the 80s or even the 90s they managed to make the aesthetic look so much like it's nostalgic yeah yeah, like if her. Did it remind you of Watanabe a little bit? Yes. I kind of got that feeling when I, I was mean, watching. aside from Joe's hair, which is like, come on, if that's not a direct reference <laughs> like to Spike. It's like the whole style, though. Like, the whole style feels very Watanabe. And not in a bad yeah. way, like in an homage way, you know? Yeah, in a very respectful homage kind of way. And it just like, looks and sounds so good. Like you can yeah, just for me, enjoy it was like the show music. just listening to it. Yeah, like the music and aesthetics are what really did it for me when it came to Megalobox. I mean, be, me being, you know, a hip-hop producer, of course, I'm a little bit biased towards the soundtrack because, <laughs> but I was just happy because, you know, hip-hop is not really a genre that a lot of anime explore. Can you know, I just say that uh, Erica Mendez rapping is one of the best things I've heard in yes. the Yes. Oh, was, my God. Yes. I did that, not like, expect that at all. Like, I actually rewinded that part like three or four times when I watched it. All right, all right, all right, all right. Erica Mendes rapping versus Kari Walgren rapping. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry, but Lil Saccio did it for me. He was, he, he takes it, he takes the ground in that one. That took bars, though. Sure. But that was straight bars. It was fantastic. He wasn't trying to impress anyone. He's just like walking down the street, doing his thing, saying his rhyme. Like it looked so, it was just so perfect. And I, I didn't know what I was listening to. I was like, wait, is he really, ra is she really rapping? Is that happening? <laughs> yeah, like when they first announced uh, Megalobox, 
I was really nervous like how it was gonna turn out because with a property like Tomorrow's Joe, there's so many moving parts and so many things that have to be handled properly that if you do it wrong, it's just a train wreck. But when that first preview came out, I was really surprised how well they nailed an old school aesthetic with it while still making it appealing enough where it could easily like attract new audiences. And that was just really cool to see. You know, that is kind of the, the, the Watanabe signature in a way where you have this element of even if it's the fantastical, whether it's in this strange Edo Edo uh, Japan or if it's in like the space like it feels vintage but at the same time something kind of edgy is happening in this case you, you get that old school kind of edgy boxer aesthetic but at the same time it's like there they are they have gear on it integrated into the way they punch it's crazy it's, thinking about that now like practically how would that even play out in the modern world it's, kind of nutty but they've just accepted this is the way people box now so and then here comes joe and he's like i'm not doing any of that i'm taking my gear off so and they're all like what what is this craziness it it it, it has that feel of watanabe but definitely something unique and it's the the style of the director obviously and so i don't want to take credit away from the writer at all just but but just show that like we appreciate who he's who he's kind of trying to live up to i guess that makes sense yeah and like going off that aesthetic like they could have very easily just made it like a standard boxing series but adding that kind of flair with like the mechanized like gears really makes it stand out from other sports series out there like there are other sports series with like mechanized like boxing type things like levius and stuff but like it's really not a commonplace thing and making something in a mainstream anime like this like it's just such a interesting idea that really helps you separate yourself from every other sports series out there yeah and and i will agree that they really made it work because like i think you were saying v lord uh when they initially announced it was going to involve like you know mechanical fight suits or whatever i was a little like eh. but it definitely it definitely does work yeah we all wasn't like this thinking oh is this gonna be like real steel <laughs> oh god <laughs> but there's the best part they bring in all the mechanized gear and then and then you have a character whose whole arc is that he doesn't fight with it which as an adapt that makes it more interesting and that really works well with also, I guess, going back to Tomorrow's Joe comparisons, where you're basically having your main character go against these opponents with a huge disadvantage, which helps bring up that kind of, like, social disparity again, where you have a dude who's coming from nothing, fighting these people who are privileged and have far more resources, like, going to them that they can succeed. But Joe is fighting against the system and is trying to, like, come out victorious. Did anyone not like this show? Let's just go there. I mean, did any of us not enjoy it for any reason? No. I mean, yeah. There were probably not in this group. Not in this group. Like, that's what I, I thought. I saw some people on Twitter not get invested in it, but that's... And there were definitely some people that were like, eh, that, that ending happens. wasn't the greatest. 
Like, I, I have my own problems with it, but like, the more I think about it in retrospect, the more I respect it. Because it really understands where it comes from and how to make a unique story while staying true to its roots. And I can't, like, praise it enough for that. The one thing I really, really love about Megalobots, this is more of kind of where it fits within the general Tanami repertoire, but just the fact that Megalobox is kind of it's kind of based in the streets and you know we don't have a we don't get a lot of anime like that you know that's kind of just got this real street feel and then in terms of Tanami the last one we had was Michiko and Hachi so it was really nice to see something like that yeah. back on the block and, and again I was there was Lupin um, oh yeah Lupin yeah. doesn't really have that like constantly though because Lupin's constantly changing locations and well, well Lupin like, is kind sets. of fantastical like his yeah. level yeah. skill and whereas there's nothing really fantastical about watching joe fight it's so it's more gritty like like what alien says he's got that same yeah. feel and also like lupon part four just to touch on this briefly one could argue that it was kind of an unconventional lupon series whereas some of the other ones are a little more grounded and like thievery and uh and more comedic yeah, like I, I didn't hate what part four did. It's just, it, it seemed a little more. Uh... It feels like a family, more more family friendly version of like Fujiko Mine in terms of narrative structure. It, yeah, it it was also more of a like long adventure as opposed to a bunch of individual stories which yeah works to an extent but like personally that's uh, a better direction that i'd like lupon to stay in but like it's it's not like it's not what lupon always is of course i from what i've heard because i've only watched a very little of it i guess part five goes back to more of what people are more or less used to while still mixing it up good to know yeah, like, Part 5 has, like, mini-arcs, and, like, most of them are generally self-contained, from what I understand. Huh. Alright. That's, that's And, cool. uh, as far as I know, no international soundtrack mandate. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no music international <clears throat> Gosh, can you imagine if we got Megalobox and they had to replace the music? Yeah, no. Thank you. Oh, bad, yeah. Ooh! Yeah. Yeah, please, Alien please has some really good thoughts that. about that, about how the music played into the, the atmosphere of the show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Toonami went as far as to only use the OST in what topicals the show did get, and I feel that anytime we've had a show like that, you can, you can definitely tell just how much the, you know, the soundtrack is part of the show like mm -hmm. just the sound design of the show is phenomenal oh yeah hear all the sound effects the music the heavy breathing of the characters as they're going at it it's just so good such like a everything was intricately made yeah. it was very intricately put together yeah, it really helps with, like, the immersion factor, too, because just all these mo different moving parts just, like, suck you in to the show. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a thought, Aileen, you can tell me whether you agree with this or not, but that combat type sports like that are, they have a very hip hop vibe to them in terms of the way beat go. Like, what do you think about that? You know, boxing itself is very hip hop type of sport. Yeah, I, c- I can definitely, I can definitely vibe with that. Cause it's because it's like, it puts you in the rhythm, right? You know? Mm-hmm. You're saying, go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're fine. And it's like, um, it kind of, what you just said though, it kind of, with the rhythm thing, it kind of reminded me of what Nambu kept saying about, you know, them dancing, dancing it out yeah. in the ring. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, when it comes to dancing, like, hip-hop is the genre with kind of the most, for lack of a better term, aggressive kind of dances. Yeah. Like, a lot of dances in hip-hop are, like, you know, rough and not really, they don't really have much finesse to them. And that's kind of how, you know, how boxing feels at times. Which is why it was extra hilarious, where in the, at the end of the series, you have Joe kind of dancing. Trying to waltz. Trying to waltz by himself. He's trying, yeah, it's a German waltz, it's just, it's so funny. It's so perfect, though. Yeah, I just started, like, laughing my ass off when that happened. He's just out there in the middle of nowhere doing his thing, which <laughs> is perfect, yeah, I guess. Like that. Yeah. Mm, it's very on-brand for him. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would agree. I-, I would watch it again. I would, I would watch this show again, and I... It's something I would actually invest in. You guys know that I don't always buy shows because I prefer to have it digitally, but this I would buy and watch it again because I feel like there's more I can get from it. Oh, yeah. Mm. And it's a great show to introduce people to. I'm hoping Viz gets it out in not forever from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if you soon. didn't like it, I, I highly suggest you give it a second chance. With all of this perspective we've thrown down at you, give it another chance. Try again, man. It's it's got something to offer, even if you don't think it does. Like Megalobox was definitely one of those shows that kind of subverted my expectations. Because you know, you think boxing anime, you're just thinking that you know, oh, it's gonna be a boxing anime and they're gonna have robot arms, cool. And then the way the story throws it, at, turns it around on you. Like with having Joe fight Gearless the whole time, and then all the like all the focus on characters and their backgrounds and how they overcome said backgrounds that really kind of threw me for a loop at first, and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of really great character moments, and then right in the middle of the show, you have that situation with Aragaki, where Nanbu's past is coming back to haunt him, and you have this great character with these motivations that make all of the sense in the world who's he went he went off to war he had nowhere to go when he came back and Nambu didn't think he was alive so he shut down the gym and all those promises that he made were thrown away and it's you know it's sad it's a real heartbreaker and you see what Aragaki goes through in order to get up to the level that he has managed to be by the time he fights Joe. It's not pretty. I mean, you watch him 
suicidal and you really feel like it's gut-wrenching for a hot minute you know because it's real this isn't like something fantasy this is an actual character who was feeling like he wants to die and then you see him come back he pushes himself so hard to the point that like he probably can't do he, he couldn't box again just to that edge but then he goes and trains with joe later which just shows like that level of respect between fighters you know it's, it's fantastic i had to say though honestly like aragaki like the aragaki part that was probably my favorite part of the entire show that that whole story especially with you know the whole war veteran ptsd thing kind of resonated with me a good bit because my dad is was like that too. He came back from Iraq. He wasn't okay for a little bit. So I really, really like felt that that was very well portrayed in the show. And then just that, just that battle in general. I was legit on the edge of my seat, leaning forward the whole time watching that that fight. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the most emotionally charged portion of the show. I feel, and like the parts of it that they're basing off of were also had like a very similar feel in Tomorrow's Joe, where that part's about Joe Yabuki overcoming a lot of his personal trauma that he's having in his life from various things that he had with Rikishi. And I, in the context of Box, they do a very good job of showing how this is really affecting Aragaki and also giving us a better understanding of why Nanbu is how he is and why he's kind of become like such a despicable person before the entire like show started. Mm-hmm. Well, what a, I, I think Mikio is a really interesting character too. What a turnaround from how he is. He's arrogant and smug and he's got this big ego and then he becomes like gentle and humble and willing to help. It's such a turnaround. Like it, something, something really clicks in him when he loses that fight. He's like, I accomplished what I needed to here. My failure is my is my you know what I needed and he's able to move on so well. It's like that weight lifted off of him makes him kind of not a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a real cocky guy before and he yeah he got okay. humbled and that helped him reassess some things in his life and like, oh maybe I don't really understand what human beings are capable of trying to rely too much on what technology is capable of. It's an, it's an interesting story and an interesting dynamic between him and his sister and of course there's that whole backstory of you know, who inherited the company from their grandfather. Mm-hmm. A lot of bad blood there and such. And yeah, it was, uh, it was surprising to see Yuri go to him to get the gear removed. I don't think I really expected that because they, up to that point, at most had kind of a passing relationship, but I don't know, it seemed like uh, kind of blowing it up over in uh, Mikio's cabin. <laughs> I think part of that also, you know, definitely had to do with the difference in his I- his ideals and um, Yukio's, I- Shir- Shirato's ideas. Yeah. I forgot the girl's name, was it Yukio? Yukiko, oh, yeah. Yukiko, Yukiko, Yukiko. Yeah. There we go. Yukiko, yeah, Yukiko. Yeah, their ideas because he wanted 
because they weren't seeing eye to eye on the whole Gearless Joe thing. He's like, he wanted to fight Gearless too. She was like, no, you use that thing. You get me money. And then he's like, no. And since, you know, he knew about the, um, the very uh, polarizing relationship that she had with her brother, yes, that was like probably the first option he thought of and the best option he could think of. You know, Even Yukiko had a kind of a turnaround, though, at the end. I, I didn't like, notice that. All of the antagonists, except for, like, the mob boss guy, had a really good redemption moment in which they kind of turned, turned around, re-looked at what they've been doing with their lives, and mm-hmm. decided that there were there's a better way. But, uh, nah, not that mob boss guy. The most we get out of him is, ah... I can honor that. <laughs> yeah. like, he even like, well, seemed kind of you know, jealous little, at the end. What do you like, expect, though? Like, what do you know? The little bastards did it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, they did that thing that anime does where a character mouths something and you don't hear what they're saying, so... God, I hate that. What, what do y'all think Yukiko was saying as she was crying and the rain was going as she was driving off her car? What's she saying? I love you. Look like I love probably, you to me. Probably. Maybe. Or maybe I'm sorry. Maybe it was I'm sorry. Ooh. Yeah. That would be poignant. Because I mean, those are the those are usually the top two. So <laughs> it would be it would be pretty Say hard it. for for her to admit that she's sorry about anything. Well, her own her own narrative when she goes to the military and she's she's marketing her own product. She says, this isn't about giving you weapons. This is about enhancing natural ability. Like, that's not what she was saying before. And now she just suddenly gets it. That's what Yuri has been saying all along. This was based off something he already had, and he was just making it better. She's like, now, okay, that's how I'm going to market this from here on out. It's a freaky piece of technology, though, man. I don't know about all that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Keep that surgery away from me. None of those enhancements. Well, at least it seems like a less horrible surgery than the alley vagina system. Oh, now. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. <laughs> you went there. You went there. I'm going to leave you on that ledge alone there, Sketch. <laughs> on that iron-blooded orphans, that, oh, I mean, lots of kids died from that surgery, so, there's that. Ugh. But, yeah, Yuri, Yuri's in a tough spot, uh, you think, I'm just, I'm just gonna throw ahead, throw the ship out there, is it, you think, you think Yuri likes Joe? Think Joe likes Yuri? Are you shipping them? Boy, if you don't get- Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm on the ship. I'll jump on that. I'll jump on board. Let's ship it. I'll go down with this ship. No, screw you. The only, the only true ship in that is Joe and his motorcycle. Get it right. You're right. That is a pretty good ship. You're right. Yuri can end up with Mikio. It's all right. They, they had, they had a cozy thing going on with them. Yeah, But I do feel bad for Yuri because it seems like he's just kind of detached from everything except his dog. 
He's not, he's not spending any what? time with Yukito. He's not what was the dog's name, by the way? Junk Dog? I don't think... <laughs> I don't think they got the name for Yuri's dog. Aww. It's a cute pup. Yeah, it's a nice pupper. <laughs> I knew somebody was going to say pupper. Doggo. Oh god, no, no. I, I hate that word. I really do. I don't get why it's a Real, real talk, Why real talk. Do you think, do you think little dogs dislike it when they're called puppies when they're in fact full grown? He's a big dog. I called him a puppy, but he's a big dog. He's a little. But I, I mean, do you think, do you think, do you think little dogs get, you know, get a complex over people like, oh, what a cute puppy? Like, oh, I think I'm, their owners. Do. I'm an adult dog. I think their owners do. I try not to do it, but I probably subconsciously do it all the time. Like, oh, look at the cute puppy! Are uh, you anthropomorphizing animals now? What? Yeah. You're giving them a human element. Well, my roommate is a cat. And that's how this became Beast Stars. <laughs> or Killing Bites. No. When's no. that coming to Tsunami Sketch? Oh! Uh, <laughs> never, because Amazon. <laughs> Good. Hey, Stranger yeah. Things have much rather have recreators. Not gonna lie. <laughs> and banana fish. <clears throat> Born to make dictionaries. No, there's really no BL element to Megalobox, but that's alright. It's whatever you want it to be. Boxing legend. There yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh, it's not boys love, it's men love. <laughs> there was no romance, really, in that show, which was fine. They yeah. didn't need it. Yeah, they're married to the ring, right? Exactly. And to the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah to the motorcycle. Which, hey, he, he finally can manage to fix a little bit himself. Good, good. Yeah, Eagle Box. It sure nah. was a good time. I would be all for Toonami getting more uh, grounded feeling series like this in the future, because it was definitely yeah. an, a a refreshing break from all these fantasy powers shown. And not that we don't love those. Well, some yeah. of us. But uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good to have a, a balance like that. I think Duelist makes a good point there. To have yeah, a little bit of. Like, so give me... 91 days. Oh, I still hope they do that. Because while I, I, I love me some JoJo, I love me some some gritty, I don't know, banana fish or something, but... <laughs> there just seems to be, like, a lot less of those kind of anime, unless there's less of, like, which is kind of sad. Yeah. It sucks, because stuff like you up is great. <laughs> well, I saw somebody make this comment that uh, things like Bebop, all those space westerns, you know, it was a fad. Like, right now the fad is Isekai. And... Interestingly enough, the space western theme is like a big thing now in sci fi, so, which mm. hasn't really faded. Yeah. That's kind of. Cool. All this talk about. 
space stuff is making me remember that they tried to get Space Battleship Yamato 2199 but couldn't. Uh, I wish that could come to the block. Eventually. I, don't, I don't know what the whole rights issue is. I don't know if that random ass company from who the fuck knows where still has like still the other rights. Still surprised Foundation was able to get it at all. Like, I think I they have like... a sub-license from, from Voyager, so Voyager's still involved, but they finally caved and, like, gave someone else the rights to, like, use it. I could be wrong, but I feel like them trying to get that show might have predated any other company in the U.S. getting it, but, uh... That's probably true. I remember reading have... that there was, like, an L.A. dub that was, like, that had, like, one episode of it and nothing came out of it. Yeah, so that was the Voyager one, if I recall. And then Voyager did, like, nothing with it. Yeah. That's a crying shame. Ah, uh, we'll never know. But, hey, that show might have a chance still. I mean, if it does expect me to scream during that podcast episode, because I will. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was so hyped when we heard that Megalobox was coming to Tsunami. As soon as I saw the ad for it and all the hype associated with it when it first came out, I was like, this strikes me as a very Toonami appealing show because it's so different and edgy and like that's exactly the kind of thing democracy used to like to bring in, a little, a little bit of different and edgy, so, and it worked out, I think it was a good catch. Do it again. Very much so. Alright, I think uh, we can probably get on out of here. So, we do the house clean. Well, anybody have any additional thoughts? I just wish I knew more about Joe's motivation, but other than that, that's it. Well, you might be able to garner some more of that if you read tomorrow's Joe, I guess. I yeah. do wonder if a continuation is something they would consider, because I feel like they definitely could. They could make it work. There's a lot of different like things that they could work with from the original material. At the very least, though, I kind of just hope that this will somehow instigate us getting Tomorrow's Joe more in some form. Like, Discotech has the compilation film out over here and then you can watch season like two on Crunchyroll mm. but maybe something more please if they do make more Megalobox for some reason I don't know why but I just get the feeling that I kind of would want a Sachio spin up because I, I thought that Sachio was one of the most interesting characters <laughs> in the oh, show oh I'd be down for that <laughs> is there a character that's comparable to Sachio in Tomorrow's Joe yeah there is so like Sachio is based off a character named Sachi who's a little girl who uh, Joe helps out when she's like an orphan. And she just kind of like hangs around Joe when she's, when he's like training. Uh-huh. Rule 63 then. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's surprising. They, they, they made the, the girl a boy instead of the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> How non-progressive. <laughs> it's alternative. <laughs> yes, alternative, for sure. Okay, well, I uh, guess that leads us to the house cleaning.
You can email us at podcast at tunamifaithful.com. You can follow us on facebook.com backslash tunamifaithfulpodcast or on Twitter at tunamipodcast. You can listen to the podcast on just about everything, including iTunes, Google Music, and now Spotify. You can find every episode of the podcast to stream online at soundcloud.com backslash tunamifaithfulpodcast. And you can get the latest news by following at Toonami News on Twitter and read news, views, and reviews on ToonamiFaithful.com. Also, you can subscribe to the Toonami Faithful Pass by going to Patreon.com backslash Podcast, and you will get first listen to various content and some exclusive stuff like that little podcast that Paul and Darrell did. And I actually haven't listened to a single one of those yet. <laughs> Not for lack of interest, just kind of like they won't give it to me for free, so I guess I have to pay for it. (laughs) I mean, I haven't exactly been like, hey, let me listen to that, but they certainly haven't been like, hey, here's this to listen to. Maybe lack of communication is the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Okay, going down the line. V-Lord... Tell them where they can find you. Um, the people can find me on Twitter at VLordGTZ, where I'm usually just talking about whatever I'm up to, which is usually reading manga or buying manga or something manga-related. And uh, you can also find my uh, manga reviews that I do on all-comic.com. Um, I mainly review Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Act Age, and Hinomano Sumo. So if you want to read any of those, go ahead. Duelist. Tell them where they can find you. Well, if you're really lucky, you might be able to run into either myself or D-Lord at a movie theater somewhere. But uh, <laughs> if that doesn't happen, <clears throat> you can definitely follow me on Twitter at uh, HeartOfSword75, a.k.a. Duelist. <clears throat> you can check out my YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com slash duelistg. Got some uh, rare tsunami stuff up there. I'm trying to be a little more active with that when I can. Uh, and you can regularly hear me on Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, bringing you bi weekly ish anime news as it uh, develops. No, I don't know. Alien, tell them where they can find you. You can hit me up on Twitter at Alien Renegade. You can watch some of my stuff on YouTube under Alien Renegade videos. Or you can listen to my music, search up Amp Ren. And on that note, I did just release my fourth Tanami theme beat tape, Alien Renegade's Tanami Beats Volume 4. It's my best one yet, and I'd appreciate it if you gave it a listen. Kuro, where can they find you? Find me usually on Twitter at uh, Happy Kuro Kitty, and I will be soon posting the review for Tsunami Faithful for Megalobox. So please share, comment, give me your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. Share them with your friends. I want to hear their thoughts. Anything. And you can find me on Twitter at Sketch1984, and you can ask me questions at CuriousCat.me backslash Sketch1984. As always, I'd like to thank all of you listeners for listening uh, each and every time we have a podcast. Uh, Sorry for 
the drought of material that we had in the previous month, but we're going to make up for it by releasing several podcasts back-to-back, at least one a week for a little while. So look forward to that, and uh, hopefully you heard our previously released podcast, which was a special treat for all of you longtime listeners, and I hope that you enjoyed that too. And with that... And this seems more appropriate than ever to be saying, we're punching out.